And welcome to episode number seven of Bird Noises, the Atlanta Falcons podcast about football and mostly everything else. And today we are joined by a player who had perhaps the best nickname ever for a linebacker, the Hammer, Jesse Tuggle. Awesome to be here, Matt. How are you? Awesome, man. Thanks so much for coming on. And uh, before I'm going to start right there with, with the Hammer nickname, but I've asked everybody who comes on. Mm-hmm. What do you think of the bird noises name? Bird noises. I like that. Be honest. Be uh, honest. Be brutally not, honest. All right. It's catchy. I okay. like it. I like it a lot. Okay. Um, Dan and Gavel it, like and that. they give. I like it because they give uh, a fan a perspective from a different point of view, a player or someone around the Falcons, that you can hear something that's going to be totally different. I love that. Than standard. So right, it's just like bird noise. So you, you get to hear from an inside source how a person is feeling and what he's going through. You know what? There's our promo. Thank you, Jesse Tuggle. I'm not even going to. Well, I'll still ask you for another promo at the end, but can we just like just record that and put that somewhere? The producers are nodding, saying yes, 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 thumbs up. All right. So let's let's talk about the hammer. Mm-hmm. I just feel like we have to start right there. Let's do it. Where did the nickname? Let's get the definitive story behind the origin of the nickname, the hammer. That's a good question, and I can sort of remember it pretty well, too, because I, um, when I came to the Falcon, I was an unknown player as far as not being drafted. Yeah, we're, uh, we're going to get into that. All right, you know, grew up right here in Georgia, played for Griffin High School and all that, but I was always a hard hitter. And so when I first got here as a Falcon undrafted, and, and you got a lot of guys in camp, you got to think that's 1987. So a lot Who of guys. The linebackers then? Buddy Curry, maybe? Uh, Buddy, Buddy Curry, John Rady, Joel Williams. Okay. <clears throat> a bunch of guys. And, and then we drafted uh, Andre Bruce the oh, following yeah. year. So that's when the nickname started to come about. It's like being my second or third year. It started off with like Ragdoll and called throwing people around all the time. And I said, man, that little short linebacker, man, that guy, he's pretty tough. Man. He's just throwing everybody around. And we did a, a shirt. You were what? You were like what? Five ten? Five eleven? Thank you. Five eleven. Sorry. <laughs> but no. Five no, eleven. Always tell them a little. I'm just under six feet tall. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, uh, yeah, five eleven, and uh, I played at two thirty, and so that was considered small in the mid '80s. And I can remember, you know, going against taller guys all the time and tossing them around, throwing them all over the place because I, I was an outside linebacker. And the ragdoll, I said, man, God, he throwing people around like a ragdoll. And that didn't really stick to me. Then they moved me to inside. And that's my natural spot. Middle linebacker. And, yes. Yeah. And then I start really having some hammer hits. You know, it's nailing people, nailing people at practice. And that's when practice was like game form. <laughs> we used to practice, like, in, you know, in, in a training camp. Yeah. And then the nickname came, the hammer. He kept saying, hammer, man, dude, we hit you like a hammer, hammer. And then – um. And then from that point, it seemed like it just stuck to me, with me, and um, and all my buddies, they don't call me Jesse, they call me Hammer, so that's pretty cool. <laughs> it's an awesome nickname. Um, and it's, like I said, it's like for a middle linebacker, yeah. you, can't get, you can't get better than Oh, that's Hammer. pretty cool. Yeah, I love it. Um, so just, just to, to, I was gonna get into your Falcons career later on here, but mm-hmm. just to play off on what you just said, you led the NFL in combined tackles Four mm-hmm. times, 1990, 91, 92, and 95. Yeah. Led the NFL in solo tackles three times. Yeah. 90, 91, and 92. And then here's a, here's a really interesting one, a mm-hmm. big one. From 89 to 95, you led the NFL in solo tackles, not, but by a lar- large margin. Mm-hmm. You had 1,173, number two, Jeff Herod, 
930. Wow. Michael Brooks, 899. Steve wow. Atwater, 878. Chris Spielman, 867. I mean, those are some big time names right yeah. there. You know, it's pretty cool too because, you know, when you're doing it and you're living it, you don't really think about you doing something that's pretty remarkable. Yeah. And, um, and I, I took a lot of pride in my effort and getting to the football and making big plays. And I wanted to make a ton of tackles. Yeah. And um, so I used to make a, a little note, a self note before the game started. Interesting. And the note would say to us, a self note to myself. Did you write it down? Yes, you, okay. I used to write it down. I used to write out my key goals, but then always had one thing was just run to the ball. Because I, fig- I figured that no matter what else happened, if you give effort, good things going to happen if you get to the football. For sure. And, and that's what motivated me to continue to give everything, regardless of what the score, regardless, regardless of the records, just get to the football at all costs. And, um, and, I, and I was able to push myself, even when I was dead tired, just to continue to run to the ball. Well, you did, and you did for 14 seasons. Um, and this fire that you still, I can, I can sense, I can feel it still in you. Um, oh, yeah. You came out of tiny Griffin High School. I don't know if it was tiny, but it's a small, smaller town, Griffin right. High School. Mm-hmm. Um, and you didn't have, it was, a, I mean, a decent, decent program, right? And yeah, it was a great, you know, Griffin High has an has a awesome history yeah. as far as high school players. It's, it's probably four to 500 or even more high school in the state of Georgia. And Griffin High have produced more NFL athletes than any high school in the whole state. So it had a rich history. Yeah. Um, you know, my wife's uncle was Rayfield Wright, the Hall of Famer, played oh, yeah. for the Dallas Cowboys. Cowboys. Yeah. And, and, and the list goes on. There's so many other guys there. And so when I was coming through Griffin, 40 miles south of Atlanta, I had no earthly idea that, first of all, you know, going to Valdosta State, that I'll play in the NFL, and if I did play, who would I play for? I had no idea I'd play for the Atlanta Falcons. And if I did play for the Falcons, how many years would I play? And and truly, honest guy, truth, I had no earthly idea I'd play 14 years, but uh, it turned out for the good. It's unbelievable, I'd say. <laughs> um, so you came out. You didn't. You didn't. So you didn't have a lot of D1 offers, right? You did. That's right. I only had, when I came out of high school, I had zero D1 offers, but I had a ton of D1 coaches and, that would come to our high school recruiting other players, and they would see me on tape, and they loved my technique. Did you they, play linebacker in high school? Uh, mm-hmm. Play okay. linebacker, outside linebacker. Okay. So at five foot ten at that time, I All probably right. five foot That's ten. I, saw and, five <laughs> I knew I saw it somewhere. <laughs> and I, I was only about maybe 185, 190 pounds, so I wasn't that idea prototype guy, and um, so I, I grew a little bit later on and I got a lot stronger so I was real quick real strong and they would watch my tape and I had great technique and they would all come to me afterwards and say man it feels like four inches taller I will offer you and so I got zero offers and then but also fired you up and yeah it fired me up because um I knew I could I could play I just wanted an opportunity and you know West Georgia and Valdosta State, it was only two teams that offered me and uh, I decided to go to Valdosta and that worked out pretty well yeah for sure um so well that uh, I'm going to dig it up here, but they ended up retiring your jersey. Yep, they retired you had, my jersey. You had quite a career there. You know, I, it was awesome. You know, I, I set the all-time tackle record there, which I've been broken since then. Oh, has but, it? But okay. um, a guy named Larry Dean had played in the CFL. He actually broke my record. But at the same time, it was an awesome experience because I got to play from day one. I was a, I was a day one starter. They considered me a blue chipper from, from for Division Two, uh-huh. and you know I was the MVP of the 
<clears throat> of the team two or three times. Defensive player of the year, your conference, yep. and your consensus mm-hmm. All-American in 86. Yeah, in 86. And that was, all, and that was the, the only unanimous player of the 80s from the Gulf South Conference, you know, where that was our conference in Division Two, and, and it was it was pretty cool that um, they looked at me as a, you know, a player who went down to Boston State in Division Two, and helped put them on the map a little bit. And I appreciate them because that's my second home. And and every time I go to to Vadasta, um, it's just like when I go to Griffin, they always treat me like I'm at home. They should. <laughs> um, awesome. But. Just like coming out of high school, you went undrafted too, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. How did you end up here? Like, the you, biggest thing. You can thing, give us a Cliff Notes version, or you can tell us the long, long version of it. Doesn't uh, matter, but it's pretty fascinating. It, you know, the, the coolest part about it is in my senior year, we had a coaching staff change at Fossil State, and a guy named Mike Cavan, who was the running back at coach at the University of Georgia. And his fame, the thing was he recruited Herschel Walker at a Riceville, oh, okay. Georgia. All right, and I heard that story ten thousand times. I'm sure. Okay, so um, so he watched me. He came down. He watched me in spring. He watched me in the summer. He watched me my whole senior year. And he said to me, he said, Jesse, I'm gonna tell you the truth. I think you can play at the next level. I said, really? And he said, yes. And the biggest thing he said is, well, listen, I probably was at Georgia over ten years. I haven't seen a linebacker with your kind of talents the whole time I was there. But when you play in football, I didn't realize I had any talent. You know what I mean? So, mm. so that sort of motivated me a little bit. You know, I was all American in Division Two and all that, and I knew I could play if I had an opportunity. He said, well, "You're gonna get an opportunity." So the draft came by in 1987. I wasn't drafted. Uh, Marion Campbell was the head coach, and and um, and they had a relationship. <clears throat> they had a relationship, and they kept asking. And Mike had um, say, "Listen, hey, Marion, you know, I got a little short linebacker down in Fadasta who." who I think would run through that brick wall right there if you ask him to. He, he's a hard-nosed player. And, um, and Mike Cavan and Marion talk, and then I get a call and say, hey, listen, they wanted you to come and try out for the Falcons. And so I you actually, got a training camp invite. Yes, but listen to this. This is so crazy. <laughs> so he called me and said, hey, listen, we know you live near. Just come up here. Come to Swanee, Georgia. And um, I said, well, I don't have a car. And, um, oh, you didn't have a car at that particular time, and yeah. um, so my dad said, "Hey, just drive my truck up there." So, so I drove my dad pickup truck to Swanee, Georgia, and for a tryout by myself, no agent, no nothing, and um, and actually uh, got an opportunity. And from that point, I wanted to make the best of an opportunity, and I did it. It's a movie. <laughs> it's a crazy, crazy story. It's awesome, and I mean, who 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 would have figured, you know? A local guy yeah. ends up playing for the <laughs> local pro team. Um, Unbelievable. So you get to the Falcons, um, and let's be honest, you played 14 seasons, but you only had there was only three years where you guys had winning records. Yeah. And, and that's why when I look at the current team today, and I know that's struggling yeah, right now. Your numbers are right consistently high. <laughs> the thing that that really motivated me was that. If you get an opportunity to make the most of it, and I played on probably more losing teams, like you mentioned, Matt, than, than winning teams. And I probably played on two or three teams that went 3-13, and 13, which is terrible. And But I learned so much from yeah, three losing. Times. Three times you guys yeah. went 3-13. And, and I learned so much from that. And But the biggest thing I learned from it is never give up and never stop fighting and never quit, no matter what the scores, no matter what the records. Play because you're a professional. You play as hard as you can play. And until you can accomplish something that you're trying to get out of and accomplish. So I just said, 
small goals. And when I achieved one, I set another one. And mm-hmm. I set another one. I just kept trying to continue that path and, and achieve those goals. And one of my favorite uncles always would tell me, he said, you know, every year when you go to training camp, I remember when you played, and every time I'll see you in July, and you'll say, and I ask you, what's your goal this year to get to the Super Bowl? And, and uh, he said he used to laugh. Yeah, so he, he used to laugh all the time until it actually happened in 1998. And that, and that was an awesome time because when you go through so much that you know, now you learn to appreciate, appreciate it when it's really good. So you would write down your, your goals on a sheet of paper. Mm-hmm. Um, did you save those? Did you, what, what you do I didn't save them. I mean, I should have. Is, is, do you, like, did you look at them after the game, or yeah. did you know? No, I, I used to set goals all the up? time. I'm just um, trying to just walk through. Like, okay, like setting goals, <clears throat> particularly from starting college, you know, I wanted to be an All-American. Um, and then once I became All-American, uh, I wanted to get an opportunity to play in the NFL. Yeah. I, once I got an opportunity, I wanted to make the team. So if I get an opportunity, I'm going to make the team. That was 17 linebackers that was put, went to camp in 1987. 17. I was number 17. I was the last one invite. They're going to keep nine backers. So I had it's to It's amazing beat. that you even remember that. Oh. Anyway. <laughs> and I had, to beat, I had to beat eight guys out. I mean, I really yeah. did. And out of a super long shot, I beat them all out. And, um, and even with that being said, we started the first preseason game. And try to remember, this is 1987, so we had 12 rounds in the NFL draft. Mm-hmm. And the first preseason game, not one drafted player started, not one. But I was the only, I, but I did start on the first preseason game. And, and the reason I started because by default, um, three guys got hurt in front of me and I just constantly went from 14 to 13, second team, the first team. And Marion Kemmer came up to me in the night for the game and said, hey, listen, rookie, normally you, you're the only rookie starting tonight. And you're not, you wasn't even drafted. Don't embarrass me, <laughs> but he was saying that to motivate me actually in a in a different kind of way. Yeah, <laughs> and that did motivate me, and I and I really played pretty well that game. And I think because of that game, I probably they helped me make the football team. Do you remember your stats? I don't remember the stats, but I remember we played against Kansas City. Oh yeah, in Kansas City and oh, um, Arrowhead, huh? Yep, and um, and Chris Nicoye. Oh, the was the Nigerian running back? Nigerian and, nightmare, they call yeah, it or something. He was a stud, and Huge. I hit him so hard one time, and just floated him, and just and he can hit the crowd, just yell. But at that time, I, my left side was numb too, so I couldn't really get up and celebrate. Celebrate because he was two hundred forty-five pounds. I was gonna say I was gonna look it up <laughs> for people who don't know. Christian Okoye was a huge man. He was a running back, but he was like six. Three, six, two, two hundred and forty some pounds. At that time, I probably weighed in that morning at two twenty-eight and uh, at five foot eleven. So, so your size, you stay in the game though. You didn't tell anybody, did you? Oh no, no way. Yeah. You yeah. just get up, shake it off, and keep going. And um, yeah. and I played pretty well that game. Undrafted rookie, you got to um, stay in. And it helped me. I mean, literally, I think that big hit and that particular game actually helped me to grab the coach's attention. And they probably seen me in training camp. You know, tossing people around, you know, for five weeks. We was in hitting every day, twice a day. And, they, and you know, until you can do it in the game, they respect you more. And I was able to do it in the game a little bit. And um, they were like, okay, Toby, we think you can play a little bit. Fair to say that was that right there, that hit was, yeah. the, was the, the first hammer, the first end. That probably my first hammer hit. <laughs> yeah, my first NFL hammer hit, there I would say go. so. That's a Christian Okoye, unbelievable. <laughs> um so you played under Marion Campbell, mm-hmm. Jim Hannafin, Jerry mm-hmm. Glanville, June Jones, and then Dan Reeves. Yep. Some pretty interesting 
very different, a wide array of personalities there. Really? Who's You're your right. favorite coach of that bunch? <laughs> I mean, it's, oh. like, it's like picking your favorite You know what? You're right. It's probably you know, tough. I, but. The biggest thing I would say, I had the most fun player for, for Jerry Glanville. Uh. Okay, he was hysterical. You know, you wouldn't you would believe some of the things that he used to talk about and oh, we used I would. to do and, <laughs> and leaving Elvis tickets and playing loud music in the locker room. You know, taking us to every time we go to a major city, Washington, D.C., we had to go to the Washington, D.C. to see the monuments. You know, as a professional NFL team, he would take us the the highlight in the cities. You know, it was just so crazy. But it brought us closer together, you know what I mean? So, um, so he and he had an attitude that he was Mm -hmm. defensive-minded. He used to make it a little bit unfair. We used to do 907, which is an inside run tackling drill, and I I specialized in that drill. I could really do it very well. That used to be full contact, except take to the ground. And I, I would literally just light guys up all the time. <laughs> and and if any offensive player that listen, they know 907 really not fair to them. Like you just ask, one, one thing we know is 100% run. <laughs> and we knew we knew our gaps. It was almost like a toughness drill. Yeah. And, uh, and I was really good at it. And I, and I hit guys hard all the time. And they would look, you know, had a guy standing behind the line and he looking like, okay, is Togo in there? Oh yeah, I'm like, okay, Togo's in there. Oh, you better watch out, he's gonna hit you hard. And uh, so it was one of those things, and Jerry didn't mind all that. I bet but, you he ate it up. Yeah. Oh, he loved it. Yeah. So he was a lot of fun. You know, June Jones was awesome. I mean, you're talking about a guy who really loved his players. He was great. Uh, Marion Kemble yeah. was a guy that if I couldn't impress him, I would have never made the team from the beginning. So he gave me my first opportunity. And then, obviously, you know, Dan Reeves is a guy who helped me and helped us get to the Super Bowl. Yeah. So um, – um, I have he's, great he's memories. He's kind of NFL all of royalty, right? I oh yeah, mean, as for a sure. Player, coach. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. it, it was real cool too because um, he, he, I think, when he came in, when you're when you're coaching, you're coming to a team and you got veteran players. And that particular time, I might have been in my tenth year. I don't know. That sometimes you really have to get a feel for the veteran players. And it took it took Darren Reese a little while to warm up on me because you know I'm an easygoing guy and my personality is easygoing but I'm a different guy when I put the helmet on mm-hmm. and it took me a little while to warm up to me and um, but I have a lot of respect for him you know for taking the time it took and not just come in and just say hey you're all veteran player you're all leader he basically wanted me to see that I still have it mm-hmm. and I can go out there and earn it and show him that I was a leader that he thought I would be and it did it happened and uh, we had a great relationship after that yeah, in 97 he took over, so that was. Yeah. yeah. Um, who was the best? We're just talking about Falcons. Since we're talking about Falcons, uh, your time there, who was the best player that you played with? I, I think everyone wants to assume it's number 21. But, <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. But no, you know what? I, but, You're right. I, I play here in the, you know, when we drafted Dion, he was a different kind of person, a different kind of athlete. And in the end, he just lit the NFL up. I mean, obviously, he was the fastest person I ever seen on the football field. Um, you know, as far as running guys down, who wasn't a real big practice guy at all. You see him at practice, you're like, I cannot believe practice like that. I practice full speed, wide open, like it's game. And he was a more laid back, relaxed, never practice hard ever. And unless they had one on ones with the wide receivers, then that was his specialty, you know. So he can cover all day long. Pride was on the line there, yeah. Oh yeah, and then you know, but he was a gamer. I yeah. mean, talent speak for itself. And when he hit the field, you knew he was something special. So playing with him was was awesome. And but defensively, you know, as far as a guy who I played with, that if I had to go to a bar 
and I need and we had to fight our way out. Mm-hmm. You know, it had to be Chuck Smith. Chuck Smith is probably one of the most physical, hard nosed guys that I ever played with who loved the game and gave it everything he had and was, I mean, incredible on the football field. Uh, <clears throat> you know, speaking of the Saints, and we got them this weekend. Yeah, I, we're, yeah. we're going to segue into that. Here, <laughs> All right. but let's just talk about All that right. now. Or All tell right. your yeah, story about the yeah, Saints. Yeah, because, now, but... you know, I came in 19, <clears throat> 1997, since we were talking about Dan Reeves, yeah. his first year. And um, we're starting the season off, and we're in a tough start, just like the Falcons are right now. You know, they're 1-7. We started season off, I think, at zero and five. You were, and you guys actually were one and seven at one point. Uh, yeah, it was crazy. I mean, and it's I crazy. Was, because I was actually going to ask you about a Chuck okay. Smith comment. Yeah. Right? Okay, <laughs> Matt. See, you're reading my mind over here, man. <laughs> <laughs> because you're right. Because it was right there, and we started off zero and five, and I can remember we're getting ready to play in New Orleans, and so at this point, you don't want to lose the locker room. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you don't have a win yet, and we're talking amongst each other. <clears throat> and, you know, leaders like myself and Chuck and and Terrence Mathis and Bob Whitfield, you know, you get in this locker room, and you try to keep the locker room together. The biggest thing you can do is you don't point fingers, and you just try to hold everything together because everybody's pulling apart. <clears throat> Everybody from the media attacking not only you, attacking you personally or attacking your teammates, attacking the coaches, attacking the owners. Because you're not winning, and 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 they're frustrated. They don't, they're not mad at you. They're just frustrated because they want to win too. Mm-hmm. And that's what I had to learn as fans. Fans, that's that's their that's their right, and that's their weapon to say things when not. It don't meant to be harmful, but at the same time, they're just as aggravated as the players and the coaches. All right, so we zero and, <laughs> 0 and five. <clears throat> you know, Chuck Smith and I. You know, we talk to the team, and we go to New Orleans. And I'm telling you right now, Chuck Smith put on a performance that I don't think I've seen a defensive player since the his, in the history of the Falcons put on. To be honest with you, he you know he was, went to New Orleans, and and Willie Rove was oh, the huge, Hall of Fame huge offensive line. He's a Hall of Famer now. Yeah. At that particular time, he might have been a three or four time Pro Bowler, big guy, and and he you know he went up against some great pass rushers, and but Chuck came in with a chip on his shoulder. And this guy had five sacks, three forced fumbles, mm. ten tackles, mm. and we got our first win in New Orleans. And that lit us up. I mean, it lit me up. And I, I had a few good plays too, but but though that's I don't know if I've been with a guy that had that many big plays in a big game that had to set the team on fire just to get that monkey off our back from losing. And 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 then we lost the next two. And you're right. At that point, it was one and seven. One and seven, and the way we finished the season off, we won five of the last six, and wind up being seven and nine. Yeah. So it's nothing to brag about. It's nineteen. It's nineteen ninety-seven. Nothing to brag about. But there's a there's a silver lining to this, though. Because when you win that many games at the end, you you now you think about it for the next season. So nineteen ninety-eight comes, and man. 98 was something special. 14 and 2. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, I want to tap the brakes there because you're not. Chuck Smith said something pretty incredible about you uh, at 1 and 7, just like this team is right now. Mm-hmm. He said that you. he likened you. He called Jesse Tuggle the Falcons. You were their version of Julio. Man, I appreciate that. In that you're not a big rah rah guy, he mm-hmm. said. And he said that. It was you who came in to the locker room at yeah. one and seven, 
and I don't know what was slammed or what was said, but he basically said that you challenged the players as yeah. men. Yeah. Uh, to quote him, he said, he called the scrubs. Yeah. <laughs> and you guys went on to win. Six, you went six and two yeah. down the stretch. And then you went 14 and two the next season and yeah. went to the Super Bowl. Absolutely. So yeah. that really was the turning point. It was the turning point. What yeah. made you – what? What happened there? You know, when you know, you're when a team, your teammates look at you as a leader, and you don't ever want to lo- lose your locker room. And I wouldn't ever talk about my teammates, the coaches, the quarterback. I always would say, you know, we might could have won if I played better because I'm the only one that, that can control what I can do, and I can't control no one else. And and I wanted to lead by example. And that's the kind of player I was, you know, as a person, a, a, type, a type of person and a player that wanted to lead by example. And thinking back to that moment, <clears throat> I know I mentioned that, that we all stood up, and I might have been the first one to, to stand that day and say something, but I wanted to grab the locker room so they know that we end this thing together. We win together, we lose together, we cry together, we laugh together. And if you can stay together on the tough circumstances, man, particularly when you're a pro, professional athlete and, and football is the ultimate team sport, you know, you got to trust the guy who's playing right beside you. You got to trust the guy who's playing on the opposite side of you from offense or defense. So I call it the ultimate team sport. And at that point, you know, it's something happened to us. You know, Chuck went out and played his best game I think I ever seen an individual play, like I said. And, and that motivated me and um, to go do something. And I tried to play extremely hard as I possibly could. It was Dan Reed's first year. And then, um, and then everything just chopped, it just snapped. And we just had a, we went off in 1998. Start off, you know, I think we started off uh, when the, a great start. It might have been 2-0 and or 1-2-1 and and or something like that. And, um, but then we got on a 10-game winning streak. And like everything else, man, it snowballed. And it just kept winning after win after win. And then we trusted in each other. And we would go up to Minnesota and we beat the Vikings when the one thought we could beat them there for the NFC Championship. Mm-hmm. And that was almost like our Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, we lost the Super Bowl and two weeks later. But just to get there, the mm-hmm. journey there was an awesome journey. And it was a team, you know, without superstars. It was a team that I thought that had a lot of guys, a lot of character. You know, Cornelius Bennett, myself, Chuck, Terrence Mathis, Bob Whitfield. And the list goes on and on. Guys who truly believed in each other and were really, you know, Jamal Anderson having his best year, who truly believed in each other and, uh, and went out there and did something special. That 97 year, you guys had, correct me if I'm wrong, were there lofty expectations for that team too? You guys, you had a lot of talent, a lot of the same players, right? They were so, same players, yep. So it, it was. Um, I'm it was trying that, to compare that team to this team a little bit. I don't yeah. know if it's fair to you. Tell me it, you know, with think, the expectations and I talent think, level. Um, you know, I, I truly believe the team here today obviously is more talented than we were in um, in 1997. But this team in 1997 team really have a, so much in common. Um, you know, expectations were extremely high before the start of the season, and same thing for this year. And and now they find themselves at one and seven. And when you go back to 1997, mid-season, that was all a Zach record. But what they're going to have to do, what I talked about earlier in Chuck, and that's, they're going to have to control the locker room. 
you know, you need to go in the locker room and and don't lose it. And don't lose it. You know, even when I talk to Jared, I, just, I, I would ask him, you know, whatever you do, don't lose the locker room. You know, you need to be a leader. They're gonna you look. They're gonna look up to you. You play by. You lead by example. Um, so that's the way I was built, and that's the way I am. And then, and then when I look at these two teams, and you're starting to see that. So now, then the second half of the season, they can't worry about the outside noise. There's they, a lot of it right now. It's a lot of it. Just focus on getting better each and every play, each and every day, and then. Um, Are you glad you didn't have Twitter back then? Oh my god. I don't know how I would have made it with social media. I would, I wouldn't have made it. It is so crazy. And even now, they call me a dinosaur because I, I, I'm not much on social media as far as. Um, it's okay. Don't, I don't have don't any fret accounts. That. I know. You're not missing much. So, so you know. With that being said, I, I know it's tough on a player because they can hear it. They can see it. They can hear it. And I don't care how much money you make. I don't care how many years you played in the league. You do have a sense of pride and a sense of awareness when things not working right and people expecting something out of you, but you're not producing, mm-hmm. you know, particularly as an individual or as a team. And um, and it's tough. I mean, it's tough on the players. Believe it or not, those, those guys out there who are practicing right now, those guys who want to win more than anybody. And when you can't do it, when you're going through tough times, normally – I think um, when you're winning and it snowballs, losing like snowballing. You know, you, you think you're going to lose. And when you're winning and you're in a close battle, <clears throat> it's going to be a battle on Sunday when, when the Falcons go to New Orleans. And it's going to come down to the fourth quarter. And it's going to be – the score going to be tight. When you're losing, you're thinking, how can I not lose this game today? How can we not lose this game? When you're winning – you know you're gonna win the game. I'm gonna finish it. You're gonna finish. I'm, I'm about to. You know this is why. This is why I want to be, and I want to be in a dog fight. And that is confidence. You know you're gonna have, have confidence in yourself and your and your teammates because the dog fight gonna come. You're gonna get right there in it to win it. You just can't think about. Don't screw it up. Don't lose it. Don't screw it up. I know we need this win better than anything. No, you almost just gotta go out there and do it. Almost like a golf swing. You think about it too much. You stand over that ball. You're gonna shank the ball. If you know you got confidence, you're gonna knock it right down the middle. And and to me, I think they gotta stand in there on Sunday. And when they, when it get tough, and you right there, and you right there in the dog fight to win it, you just go go take it. Go take it. Don't be afraid to lose. Go and take it and and get the win. And that changes the whole season. I mean, you'll think, man, it's only two wins on the season. No, you gotta start somewhere. I mean, to me, you would love to win five in a row. But to get five in a row, you got to win one first. So, you know, let's break this losing streak and um, and just focus on on the big picture. I I'm ready to go break a losing streak right now. <laughs> I don't know about anybody else, but uh, I'm ready to run through that brick wall behind you. Hey, there um, you go. Um, that's pretty awesome. Do you so, so you think this team can make a similar turnaround? Oh yeah, they got they got all the talent in the world. <clears throat> At this point, they got to focus on the little things. I mean, the little things means a lot. You know, that goes all the way from still come to, come to the meetings on time, still do all of those things you need to do in the locker room, still continue to take care of your body, continue to work out, and focus, watch film, and execute. On game day, it's time to execute and believe in the guy who's playing right beside you. If that can just do all the little things, you know, from – Catching, running, tackling, all the stuff you think it come natural for a pro player. Mm-hmm. You know, believe it or not, you still have to focus and do it. And um, and it's the little thing that's going to take them a long way. You know, even guys that are playing 
uh, if you have a team that's running the ball against you, whatever, and thing just not working, just focus on your little thing. Focus on your technique. Focus, focus on um, your effort. And just make the little thing, just do it. And it sounds so simple, and it is when you sit behind this microphone talking. Mm-hmm. But I know how it is on game day when you're dead tired and they put someone pushing the ball down on you, and you're like, you're thinking, well, how do I stop them? How do I stop them? And just stay strong to your technique. And, and give a ton of effort, and if you do that, you will stop them. You gonna plays, you make big plays. To me, as a defensive player and a linebacker, some of my best plays I made was time when I was dead tired, and really and letting my and, and natural ability take over. Mm. The drilling is pumping, and you're doing things that you've been trained to do without thinking about it. If that makes sense, yeah, I, and, yeah, and it does. if you do that. You man, you make a ton of big plays, <laughs> but if you're thinking about, I gotta make a play, I gotta make a play, I gotta make a play. It, it's hard to think about it and gotta make a play. Just do your job and let the play come to you, and it, it'll happen. Just let your everything that you've learned and your instincts Absolutely. take over. Yeah. Absolutely, and that's why I tell some people <clears throat> about what's the difference between today's player and and yesterday player like myself. There's no difference. The difference we all want to win. <clears throat> And it's funny, say, <clears throat> guys get they start comparing generations, and mm-hmm. you know, from the skill level to the size to the speed to the money to everything, you know, this guy is so much faster than you were. This guy here, this guy that, and it really doesn't matter. What matters is the size of your heart. And Love that. if you want to go out there and make a play, you'll make that play. If you think if the play going to just come to you because, you know, I run I run a four four, that don't mean nothing. You know, uh, I'm six foot four. Uh, doesn't mean nothing. <laughs> you know what I mean? I make ten million dollars. Doesn't mean nothing on game day. None of that counts. What counts is effort, effort, and want to do it. Particularly as a defensive player, you gotta want to make a tackle. I used to have coach coaches tell us that all the time. Hey guys, I know you guys are NFL players and you're professionals, but on get on Sundays when they run the ball, you gotta want to make a tackle. You can't wait and think oh, I'm gonna let somebody else make that tackle. You gotta want it, and uh, if you want it, you go get it. Well, you epitomized that for 14 seasons. Uh, you end up in the Ring of Honor. Your jersey here and Evaldasa retired. Um, should be in the Hall of Fame. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, hopefully, you know uh, the Centennial class is coming up. Right, yeah. they're trying to get some extra guys in. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's hope they start doing the right thing uh, with the hammer. Um, I gotta ask you, since you were talking about yesterday's players and today's players, mm-hmm. who was the toughest guy you had to bring down? Were there any guys that you just did not want to? Oh I mean, God, if you're yeah. on your in your yeah. first game, if you hammered Christian Okoye, I gotta believe they were all easy after that. I know, right? Because he was a load, and and, you, and you believe it or not, some great. I'm I played. Oh, I played with a generation of guys I played with, mostly all Hall of Famers now. You know, from my, Smith, my favorite growing Perry up was. Sanders. Uh, Tony Dorsett. Tony Dorsett. I, I didn't end. get a chance to go play against Tony though. I think not Dorsett, but he was my one of my favorites growing up too. Dickerson, Peyton. I played with Dickerson. Didn't get a chance to play against Peyton. Um, Emmett. Emmett was un unbelievable. And out of all the guys, and and that was a ton of guys I played with and played against. I'm sorry. And um, the toughest one I would think, and not the largest one. The toughest was Barry Sanders. I was going to say. It's like a- he, he was elusive. I mean, he was like, I always thought he was double joining his ankles. We used to slow his tape down and literally watch him move lateral. It was unbelievable. And then I got, I got a play of us. We playing in Detroit. And I'm the first one to get to Barry. I beat the center, 
go across the center phase, hit Barry in the backfield. He spins on me, throw me off. I'm on the floor, on the ground. I get up on the turf. I'm looking at him, fake other guys out. And then I go and jump on his back and make the tackle. So I'm like, wait a minute, this guy don't make like eight guys miss. And I was still able to get up and go make a tackle. Cause he was, it was unbelievable. I mean, he was like a, a really a, playing against a video game. Yeah. And um, so I had a lot of respect for him. I, you know, he retired before his time and I think he or obviously him is the all time leader. Those two guys, man, who was they was incredible to play against. Yeah, I would say. If you ever ask Barry Sanders who had linebacker hit him the hardest though, if you don't say me <laughs> out of if you name three guys, I'm not one of the top three guys, I'd be surprised. <laughs> because I had, I had some pretty good hits against Barry. Did you really? I have and, to uh, uh, we have to dig those up. And that's um, pretty cool and uh, That's really cool. Yeah. Uh anybody that can hit Sanders square that's sure. an accomplishment in itself. <laughs> um, yeah, I was dying to know that one. That is fascinating. Um, what about, have you ever been on the receiving end of a hammer? Oh, yeah, many times. Who hit, you, you, hard, who hit like, you the hardest? Okay, let me think about it. I, we had, um, sometimes when you're a middle backer, you, take a, you give out a lot of abuse. I mean, tons of big hits. You know, week in, week out. But it's still a, you, I'm the hitter, but it still affects me. I can feel I feel, I can feel a ton of that. Um, so, um, um, I, I, we love telling our story. We hitting people and just yeah. not, knocking people out. But I played against some offensive linemen that I had a bunch of trouble against too. So, you know, a lot of times playing against the Cowboys when they had large, huge. Larry Allen. Larry Allen was unbelievable. <laughs> the thing I can remember the most about Larry Allen and – that we were playing on Monday night, which we didn't play too too many in games on Monday night. He's a guy like you, another small school, another Sonoma yep. State. You know, big, big. Larry probably weighed about three twenty, and I normally I'm short and I got leverage. Now I was always stronger than everybody. You know, I probably in my in my peak in my prime I could been pressed five hundred twenty five pounds, but and I was like a lot stronger than the bigger guy, the fat guy, the offensive lineman, right? Except yeah. for Larry. The Larry was almost a 600-pound bent presser, and so he yeah, was right. equally strong, but he weighed 75 pounds more, and he was a load. He hit me one time so hard on Monday night that he lifted me up and it sort of slammed me down on my back. Which, wait, 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 was that that Monday night game in the Georgia Dome? It was in the Georgia Dome. Listen, and out of all the plays, the, you game. know how you do this, the replay and you put it in slow motion? I can still recall and my brother and tell him, hey man, John Madden put it in slow motion, slow motion and said, watch Larry Allen lift Pro Bowl linebacker Jesse Tucker up <laughs> and slam him on his back. I'm like, out of all all the time, he caught me in between steps. Yeah. And it was just so hilarious to me afterwards because I'm like, if that had to happen, I'm glad that Larry, okay. it happened yeah, with right? Larry. <laughs> yeah, so so when you ask me, have the hammer been hammered before? Yes. <laughs> but it's the nature of the beast, you know, it's pro football. Um, so what are you doing these days? Uh, I know mm-hmm. uh, walking into the studio, you talked about uh, – we're talking about the weather and you mentioned you golfing a little bit, but love the golf. You're right. So my free time, I like. I still like to play golf, maybe once or twice a week, and um, I get to play with a lot of retired players here too, which is real I was cool. I ask you if you stay in touch. Yeah, and do you know, a lot Terrence, of stuff Mathis, and yeah. <clears throat> Ruffin Hamilton, and you know Victor Green's live here that played with the Jets. <clears throat> There's so many guys that you know still here. And occasionally, I'll play with Chuck Smith sometimes. And so we still, you know, we get out and we play skins and we have fun with that. And um, and since I'm from here, you know, I do a lot in my community. 
you know, down in Griffin, my mom's my mom still lives there. A lot of my white family there, and uh, my family's there. So we still spend time in church in Griffin and area. And um, you know, I'm fortunate enough to have um, three great kids yeah. that um, they all play play sports. You so know. that's by the way, yeah, that's pretty <laughs> unbelievable, and it's pretty cool, you know, professional sports. Uh, yeah, which is which is great, you know. Um, I started my one of my daughter. She's um, played college tennis uh-huh right. where'd she go to school i'm sorry at, Val- at Valsa state okay and then she went to grad school at syracuse and and justin went to boston college kansas state played for the houston texans now he in the cfl hamilton and, and right hamilton number one team in the cfl there look, you go look 14 and three man that they're the favorites to win the great cup i'll say that <laughs> and it's been awesome and oh, yeah hamilton. and he has one great cup on his belt already we played with when toronto won in two years ago all right, so and then, awesome. and then you got Jared, you know, right here. <clears throat> you know, uh, I tell everybody, I might have been the first person in history that during the draft was on stage, and when they got to me and said, well, name the player, you know, Jesse, I was invited to come to do a fifth-round pick. You know, Jared was expected to go early, but yeah. he still was around. Yeah. So it wasn't planned at all, and so uh, – I tell people this story all the time. So I'm on stage and I'm down at the College Football Hall of Fame, and you know, I got me. So we stand and signing autographs, and all of a sudden they say, "Hey, listen, the Falcons made a trade. We about to get it. We about to get a kid." Okay, told get on stage. You know, uh, NFL Network is shooting it live. So I said we got about a minute before we announce it. So I turn to the side and say, "Hey, hey, give me the name. I don't want to be." An, uh, a name I can't pronounce, you know what I mean? I was like, so I don't look crazy on TV. What is the name? Oh, no. And then it kept, so about 30 seconds, 20 seconds, 15 seconds, someone yells to me, hey, the defensive tackle out of Clemson, Grady Jarrett. Your son. And, and I look, and I said, hey, stop playing around with me. That's, you know, that's my son, right? And then, uh, you know, Jesse, seriously, the Falcons about to draft. Um, they're, about, they're about to draft your son. So at that time. The emotions, I, um, the pride, the everything. It was crazy. So I'm like, are you serious? So. <clears throat> so finally, you know, he was so upset at first because he was still around for the third day. But sometimes things happen to you that was meant to happen. And I think he couldn't have been in a better situation, you know, here with the Falcons, right here at home, um, a team that I play for. And um, and, and you see what he had, he'd done since he'd been drafted. So he always had a chip on his shoulder, you know, at, at barely six feet tall. He probably showed his shortest D tackle in the league but I was the shortest linebacker so uh, one of the shortest and uh, and but the size of his heart and and the kid knows leverage you know and that's the biggest thing you know um and they've been and I think wrestling you know been a two-time state champion in wrestling mm-hmm. that all that stuff helped him a ton as far as power and, and leverage and he was blessed with some good genes and I would always say <laughs> the fruit don't fall far from the tree I think he's the strongest player on the team and I was the strongest player on the team when I played so with that being said you know he, he's um no take nothing from him as for his work ethics what it took to get here and the desire um but at the same time when you come from good genes and you and you got good character and you got the work ethic and you got everything that it takes to to be successful it helps a ton and um but um, but I'm proud of I'm proud of all three of them. I'm proud of all, everything he accomplished, and you know, particularly the big game he had in the Super Bowl a few years ago. Oh yeah, that, that sort of put him on the map. It put him on the map, and um, and um, and I think I think he's in a good situation right here. Um, 
seemed like the owner liked him a lot here. The coach liked him a lot, but more so than, than anything else. You know, he's a good kid. There's a lot, I was going to say, there's a lot to like there. Not yeah. only does he is he really good on the field, but he's just a great person. Right. Real good kid. And the thing about, you know, all my kids, they get along well. They, 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 they're great, man. I would have never, I look back, if someone had told me 35 years ago, <clears throat> you know, I'd have had three, you know, great kids that under any circumstances doesn't matter. And they all, you know, really accomplished a lot in their careers as far from high school to college and what they're doing now. It means a lot. I mean, as a parent, when you're raising, no matter what your kids wind up doing, as long as they're doing something positive, mm-hmm. it means a lot. And uh, that's why I feel, And but since I played pro football and then to have two sons to play pro football, it makes it even better for me because I, now I'm a, I'm a dad, but I'm a big fan too. I'm a big CFL fan. I'm a big NFL <laughs> fan. And, it, and when I watch my daughter play, I'm a big tennis fan. <laughs> so, so with that being said, you know, sports is really big in our house, and um, it's cool. I mean, we like it a lot, and um, and it keeps me busy. Uh, I get to travel a lot. Well, I gotta tell you, after today and just everything I've read, I'm I'm a huge fan of you, hey, and you. Uh, um, I hope we get you. Uh, I hope you're in Canton one of these days because you deserve to be. But. Uh, Man, just thanks for coming on Bird Noises today. It was pretty awesome. Hey, Matt. Thanks for having me, man. You, you're so cool. And uh, you know what? I, I like appreciate it. that. Bird Noises. I like that. All right. Well, I you like know what? <laughs> That's going to make some people in the building really happy. You know, every awesome. time you say Bird Noises, there's like this this bird screaming. So. I like it, man. I like it a lot. So, All right. Well, thanks for coming on, Hammer. Hey, I do appreciate it. Thanks, right. man. Thanks, Jesse. Take care. Hi, I'm Jesse Tuggle, former Atlanta Falcon, five-time Pro Bowler, known as the Hammer. You are listening to Bird Noises.